0: Previously on Transformers University, we wrapped up seasons 1 and 2 of the original Transformers cartoon And we bridged into season 3 with our very special 50th episode, Transformers the Movie And now, we kick off season 3 with a 5-parter It's time for the 5 Faces of Darkness, right now on Transformers University Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 59 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Bricalli, owner, operator, madman behind the website, the toy archive, the social media, YouTube channel, and more. And this time around, we are jumping into season three of the original Transformers cartoon. But before I get into this, fantastic fun five-parter called the five faces of darkness i uh, do you want to give a shout out to our newest patreon joey russell who uh, signed up at the junior level so joey welcome aboard i did not get to shout you out last episode and i wanted to do so here now if you'd like to sign up at the patreon help support the show directly you can do so at patreon.com slash TFUINFO. info That's patreon.com slash tfuinfo, and uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help out the show and receive all sorts of cool benefits along the way. So, this is the start of Season 3, and Season 3 for the Transformers cartoon uh, is something quite unique in the history of television and in animation. This is a season that's entirely hinged on the viewer having seen the movie that came out barely a month ago before the first episode debuted. So for those of you who are big fans of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, this is a lot like that uh, only 30 years prior, in that it uh, requires you to consume a movie before consuming a TV show. Now, um, Season 3 will be the final full season of the original Transformers run. There is a season four in 1987, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, And there's a season five, uh, sort of. (laughs) But uh, this will be the final um, really long season, or longer season, I should say, uh, at 30 episodes in season three. And um, there was a weird shift in terms of the time slot of this show. So this show, uh, at least in New York, where I grew up, became a morning Cartoon. So uh, when Season 3 debuted, uh, Transformers was moved to the 7.30 a.m. slot and still played in the afternoons on Monday and Tuesday at 3.30 p.m., all on WPIX Channel 11 in New York. And then it moved exclusively to the 7.30 a.m. slot uh, and then eventually moved back to afternoons around December. Um, so that is uh, a long time. That is basically a half of a school year uh, to not have the show and not have new episodes play after school, but before school. So it, and if you were like me at 730, uh, you were getting out of bed and ready for school. So that was uh, uh, quite the shift in the show. And now, another shift in the show is... Uh, is the theme song and i am personally partial to uh... the season three opening i like this one so let's uh... give it a listen You know, for me, it's the way the song in season three opens and kicks off the show. It's that weird sample that's on the snare drum and, and you know, the the drummer, and I'm using that with air quotes, uh, the drums starting on that hard ride of the hi-hat at like double time and then hitting the snare. Um, it just, it just sounds cool. Uh, so I feel like the season three theme moves a lot faster and a lot better than the, uh, certainly more than the, so than the season one theme, but even more so than the season two theme as well. But we're not just here to talk about the theme song and the time slot. We are also here to talk about the five parter five faces of darkness. darkness. Now the five faces of darkness is unique. Uh, for the series so far in that it is a five-parter um we have not seen one of those within transformers just yet not counting uh the cinematic movie but uh the original pilot was three parts the ultimate doom was three parts uh there were a handful of two-parters scattered uh throughout the series but none of which were five parts whereas gi joe had five parters fairly regularly um I think by this point in that show, they had about four, uh, three or four of them. Uh, So uh, it's interesting to see uh, the Transformers move to that format for at least one shot in 1986. And uh, so this uh, story here, written by Flint Dilley, and uh, it's Five Faces of Darkness, Part 1, Season 3, Episode 1, overall episode number 66, and uh, we start with a recap of Transformers, the movie. And within that recap, things get set up by none other than Transformers voiceover, Victor Coroli.
1: It is the year 2005. The Great Wars are finally over, and the Autobots have won. But while the Autobots celebrate their victory with their new leader, Rodimus Prime, the surviving Decepticons, without a leader of their own and desperately low on Energon, have retreated to the burned-out planet of Char.
0: So this story takes place in the far-flung future, of 14 years ago in the year 2005, uh, 20 years in the future of the production of the show, however, and we start on the planet of Char, and that is spelled C-H-A-A-R. That's two A's in there, Char.
1: And we figure we're a little juice.
0: No, we're the juice. And we start with the Decepticons desperate for energy, uh, Astrotrain lens on Cha'ar with uh, three Energon Cubes, and the Constructicons uh, fight each other for them. Uh, Astrotrain ends up going for a cube. Uh, why he didn't just have one on his own before returning is beyond me, but the Constructicons uh, combine into Devastator but do not have enough energy, and Bonecrusher misses uh, in his arm mode and falls off. Uh, they kick a half-transformed Astrotrain, and then Menosaurus sneaks up behind and uses his sword to behead Devastator, yes. And uh, <laughs> from that, Devastator decombines and gets his leg sliced out from under him as he just tries to uh, combine again. Uh, from here, the Insecticons, who are not dead, uh, try to get those few Energon cubes, but get shot by Cyclonus and the Sweeps. Cyclonus then bemoans the fallen glory of the Decepticons. We cut away to the Galactic Olympics where Jazz is racing in some sort of competition. Not Blur, and Blur is kind of upset because him and Wheelie are being sent on a mission to bring Autobot City's transformation cog um, to Metroplex on Earth. And this is the uh, first time that we see... um, couple of things here so the transformation cog being one and this is an important piece of Transformers Anatomy as uh, shows progress later on including into Transformers Prime and the IDW comics of the 2000s and the 2010s so uh, just keep that in mind this is a pretty important concept it's something uh, that is kind of the soul of uh, uh, not the soul it is something that uh, is vital to a Transformer's life uh, is its transformation cog. And in a bit of an Easter egg here, uh, Blur wants to know if there's another way to send the t
1: Why not send a Galactic Express?
0: And of course that Galactic Express reference uh, is a roundabout way of referencing John Moshida, the voice actor uh, for Blur, who was also the spokesperson for Federal Express and if you go back to our episode number 49 meet the cast of Transformers the movie uh, you can actually see a clip of that commercial. Now at the Galactic Olympics Jazz wins his event and then uh, we cut away to what I feel is later in the day. Now a lot of uh, uh, people who watch this episode believe that this is directly after Jazz winning because uh, the winner of an event is named.
1: And the winner was Monka Spenka from the Argonon cluster. Hey, let's hear it for Argonon! And a boy, yeah! Way to go, Monka! Way to go!
0: So you can take that as that's was the winner of the event that Jazz was in, and that um, either Jazz has a new name or there is some sort of animation error here. I like to look at it as there was a cutaway to a wide shot which kind of denotes a passage of time uh would probably be helpful if there was a dissolve in here between the, the two previous shots, uh, but I see it as a, just an event later in the day where Monka Spanka wins uh, an event, and it's not the same event, and yes, Monka Spanka is the joke. You think it is. Uh, also no, worth noting here, Jazz has no voice in any of these scenes because Scatman Carruthers Uh, The voice actor for Jazz uh, died before the start of Season 3. Now, at the events, there's some shadowy figures that contact a weird alien, and they set off a bomb. Uh, We see a Quintesson-style ship that we saw in the movie fly away, and uh, the games are under attack by shadowy aliens, uh, covered by a smoke bomb. Spike, with Carly and Daniel, uh, shoot at one. And then we go to commercial. And uh, there are some new commercial bumpers in Season 3. And if you don't remember what commercial bumpers sound like, because it's been a while, uh, here they are. The Transformers will return to these messages.
1: We now return to the Transformers.
0: And the ones going to and from break in this portion of the show it's a Tripticon going to break and the shark to as we come back to break and we come back to springer blowing up the torch at the uh, galactic olympics which provides uh, some cover for the autobots the assailants are gone but so are cup spike and ultra magnus springer and arcy uh, chase a fleeing ship and we cut it back to cyclonus in the sweeps sneaking into Unicron's head, which is now orbiting Cybertron. They tap into Unicron's memories in order to figure out where Galvatron ended up, and we get another clip from the movie. And here, Cyclonus figures out where he is. I can conclude
1: that his remains lie on the planet Thrull, certain the red giant star
0: Hydran. And so we cut to the planet of Thrull and find Galvatron's arm in lava, and of course he lives. Back on Earth, uh, we get Blaster and Outback about to land in the nation of Carbomya. Yes, that's right. Kar-bom-ya. Uh It is a nation that is in the Middle East. And uh, because of this cultural insensitivity, uh, Middle Eastern actor Casey Kasem actually quit the show over this. And uh, so... And this is why you will not hear Cliff Jumper or Teletran 1 uh, anywhere, or Blue Streak for that matter, uh, anywhere in the show from here on out. Uh, Blaster is with a thing called the EDC, which is the Earth Defense Command. And Outback, of course, has an Australian accent. He does not come with a bloomin' onion. Uh, it's worth noting here that uh, Sparkplug is actually uh, in the script for this scene. Uh, and uh, they find Ramjet and Dirge hiding uh, in the nation of Karbamia in jet mode, and Dirge drops this line:
1: "Death comes to he who crosses me."
0: And that line is actually something that was cut from uh, the Transformers the movie script. So uh, Dirge, while on Astrotrain after the Battle of Autobot City, uh, when the Decepticons are fighting for leadership uh says death comes to he who crosses me uh, and uh so that line is there and it'll reoccur uh one more time in this season uh the decepticon jets flee and are taken out by outback's bomb um from there he finds the coordinates of char which uh rodimus uses to blame the decepticons for the attack on the galactic games uh, Springer and RC continue to chase the ship through space uh, that they were chasing, and uh, they get caught by the old uh, claw arm in the asteroid trick. And uh, we go to commercial. Uh, this time the bumpers are Rodimus and Ultra Magnus. Springer and RC flee out of their ship onto the asteroid and find the base of the alien that was fleeing a Skuxoid. And uh, we met a Skuxoid back in season two. Uh, The Skuxoid says Decepticons uh, paid him, uh, though he is lying. Uh, And we find out the Asteroid is a ship, so Springer and RC take it. And the Skuxoid is actually working for others. Who? Well, we'll find out. On Cha'ar, the Decepticons have a meeting, uh, including Tantrum of the Predacons, who we have not met yet. cyclonus and the sweeps arrive and they rally the decepticons around finding galvatron they get the decepts to contribute some energon to the cause from here grimlock and rodimus prime are spying and we get this weird interaction with big grim me
1: grimlock not feel sorry me grimlock laugh
0: And ultimately, the two get spotted. They get attacked, and they get surrounded. And the Decepticons begin to fire on them, including a Seeker in Silverbolt colors. And we will be continued in Part 2. And as we bump to break here, we see a new one of a new bumper that is of Blur. And that brings us to Five Faces of Darkness Part 2. Season 2, Episode 2. Overall, Episode 67. And for more on that, I'm going to toss it to my good friend, Gabriel Owens, the Salty Seaman.
2: Hey folks, Salty Seaman here, coming at you with a review of Five Faces of Darkness. Part two, we are two episodes into season three after the shocker of the movie. Uh, Took this episode as, uh, I remember one, Five Faces of Darkness. Part one, which I also watched to, you know, fill in any blanks, I might have forgot uh you know there was you know because i i did not seen uh the movie uh, It came and went for my theaters uh really really fast you know completely missed it tried to it was already gone uh so you know coming home and finding out if all the rumors are true what had happened in the movie and whatnot you know and seeing this whole new thing was something and you know the I really liked the cliffhanger at the end. I was, you know, now I was totally invested in the story and it was promised to be this really long storyline, you know, and we had the uh, you know, the uh, you know, I don't know anything about the Quintessons at this point because I haven't seen the movie, so that that whole thing's lost on me. I Lizardo looks very familiar. I don't know if I remember that I recognized him from The Gambler. I think I must have because that was a favorite episode. Definitely intrigued me and like that. I was one episode. I was part two was definitely one of those episodes. I really was like impatient to get home to go watch. I was super invested from that first episode. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and take a look at five faces of darkness. Part two. Certainly one of the things that grabbed me was the new intro. It was so futuristic and cool. And it was such a change. It was like, Oh my God, earth's gone. Prime's gone. This is like almost all new characters. And, you know, time was like, guys, I only known from the shelves, uh, you know, and I think at that point I, that what I knew about them was from rumor and reading tech specs in the, uh, the aisle. I don't think I own any third season guys quite. Yeah. That think maybe like pipes and, you know, a couple of the mini bots I could afford, uh, you know, a little before I got into the season three guys uh, proper, but man, yeah, it was like, wow, there's, you know, there's that guy, there's that guy. Oh my God. you know, it's like, oh, that's rat bat. He's flying through the, the eye of the big Unicron guy. And it was like, I, it was awesome. I, I, you know, that's one of the things, you know, really like caught my eye for season three. We get a full, I counted two minute recap of the previous, uh, episode part one. This is one of the more in-depth recaps you're going to get, I don't know if they stretched that for time. It really felt like they did just because, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, stuff at the exposition you just don't need. You know, there's long, uh, drawn-out shots with no narration or, or dialogue, you know, like Galvatron getting thrown out of the uh, of Unicron's eye, and, you know, just like they're just padding and padding and padding, which is not, not a bad thing. I mean, especially if you missed the first episode, they completely caught you up. So we pick up from the last episode. Uh, Grimlock and Rodimus are spying on the uh, Decepticons on Char. Uh, Grimlock is uh, too loud, and Cyclonus, whose giant bunny ears apparently are really good at hearing, uh, surprised this wasn't a uh, sound who noticed them. But I digress. Uh, they, uh, they they start fight. They they're caught. They get blown off the mountain, and they start fighting with the Decepticons. Uh, Rodimus' gun changes colors. Uh, last episode, it was uh, red. This episode, it is gray. So I believe gray is the... My Rodimus is not sitting near me, but I believe gray is the correct color. Uh, and uh, the Decepticons aren't able to shoot at them very well because they're so low on energy. Just something you know, they really hammered home, I think, very, very well in the first episode. But, uh, you know, it's it's another one of those, uh, you know, I, and I don't know if it's really an uh, inconsistency because there could be multiple ways they charge uh, guns, but we've been shown in the past, you know, uh, guns, you know, a lot of the weaponry had its own uh, battery life, uh, so to speak. You know, it wasn't reliant on the, uh, you know, the, the fuel reserves of the robot, the septic or autobot, other than things like uh, Megatron's fusion cannon and, you know, built-in weaponry like that is uh, presumably powered. But like handheld weaponry before was powered, which I guess still is okay because they, they don't have weapons to charge. They don't have enough energon to charge their cells. They couldn't charge their battery packs. But the way it's presented is as if the the the, 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 the handheld guns are drawing directly off of the Decepticons, which is not something I think we'd seen before. But uh, easy enough to explain away if you really want to try. So as Grimlock and Rodimus are getting the the shit kicked out of them by uh, the the powerless, but still having feet and and, uh, arms, Decepticons, uh, Springer and RC show up in their stolen ship and proceed to rescue them. Uh, We see Rodimus is in really, really, really bad shape. Um, you know, I remember as a kid watching this, like, you know, didn't look like he got, you know, I, I'd seen, tra- you know, Transformers get beat up worse than that. And they're treating, you know, something that should have been, you know, a, a flesh wound uh, seemed to, you know, but I mean, you know, just, you kind of let it go. And like, okay, they're saying he got beat up really bad, you know, other than Cyclonus's cheap shot at the end, you know, you don't really, you know, don't see a lot of like why he was so badly injured as he would be. And then we get a, uh, it's another scene of the the sweeps, you know, Cyclonus gathers up the, uh, the uh, donated Energon and they're off on their mission to rescue Galvatron. And we get like, what will become a running motif of season three. And I think it probably started the last episode as well of, you know, inconsistent number of sweeps, you know, it, it, per, you know, which could change. Like, you know, when they change an angle, they go from six to three to four to two, and here we have about six, and as they fly away, there's only three. It's really, really, uh, really, really weird. We cut to our uh, happy band of Autobots in Spike, uh, imprisoned by the Quintessons, and we get this joke from uh, Cup, one of my absolute favorites of the series.
1: You are the Autobot called Cup. You are Cybertron's chief of security. Nah, my name's Teaspoon, and I'm Cybertron's Chief Dishwasher.
2: So we see uh, Cup uh, practicing uh, very good uh, counter-interrogation techniques as someone who went through a uh, a seer or prisoner of war training would uh, know how to do. And of course, a vet like Cup, probably not his first time being captured. Uh, This little bit just made me such a huge Cup fan as a kid. You know, I think definitely the last Transformers I ever gave up, like I was well into my teens, was my cup toy. I loved cup, weirdly. But, uh, you know, they they suss out, you know, uh, Cybertron's defenses. Despite his good uh, techniques, they suss out. Cybertron's defenses are good, but Earth, this other planet, Earth, may be uh, not so up to code. And, uh, you know, we realize... Uh, we also get a name drop of the name Transformers, uh, as I pointed out before, despite being the name of the brand and the overall race of the Autobots and the Septicons, it's not a term they use a lot within the, the uh, cartoon series G1. So I, I think it does, I think in Five Faces of Darkness we do hear it more and more because it's giving the origin from the Quintessons, but prior to this, maybe two or three times I think in season one and two. So we get uh we cut back to Optimus uh I mean Rodimus, uh, and RC Springer and uh, Grimlock, they're looking over Rodimus. He doesn't look so good. He starts to give a speech like Optimus. His time in the light is short. They're playing this super sad version of the G one theme opening theme, uh, on strings which I do not remember hearing before. It is. I don't think I've ever noticed before. It is so delightful. My time
1: in the light is short. That's what Optimus Prime said when he was dying. Springer, my friend. He's preparing to pass the Matrix of Leadership to you. His judgment is obviously impaired. Forget it, Rodimus. You're just going to have to stay alive. You must... uh... His life force has slipped away.
2: And also as a kid, I thought Rodimus was, uh, was pranking them. Like he really wasn't that beat up. He was, I thought that he was being either being over dramatic or silly. So I was kind of taken out of it. Like how serious this moment was supposed to be. Cause I was waiting for the punchline. And then of course we get uh, the upcoming scene here. There's- Nothing. No life force at all.
1: No! It's true, Grimlock. He's gone. We'll take the body back to Cybertron for interment. Me, Grimlock, say he alive! No Matrix of Leadership! He's right. If Rodimus were dead, the Matrix would
2: have emerged.
1: But if he's not dead... Where is his... Life
2: Force. Uh, we get uh Rodimus seeming to die, uh Grimlock being super, super dramatic here. Uh it's kind of like the part of uh him coming becoming kind of a buffoon here in season three. But uh it's still, it makes me chuckle. But he's the one who points out, like, hey, there's no matrix emerged, he must be alive. And we get the term life force, which is a part of a litany of different terms for you know, what would bit later become the spark, you know, the soul, the essence of a transformer, you know, the laser core, the personality component, the life force, you know, they can't really keep their story straight. Thank God. Beast Wars introduced the spark concept and we've, you know, maybe made that a bit complicated lately, but you know, it's, it's an easy to use term for the whole thing, spark. So we get Ronimas going through the matrix. It gives them, it gives him a very Ralph Boschke esque, uh, Surreal kind of dreamscape. We see uh, Prime's face, bunch of numbers, weird acid pools, Ronima sees himself, and then we see Quintessons. And uh it's really trippy and surreal. Like again, one of those things like what the visual art really took off in season three for me. Another reason I loved it so much. You know, it was just trippy stuff like this. Uh, you know, airing alongside this was you know, Rice Serpentor Rise, G.I. you know, on G.I. Joe. You know, we had a similar kind of bizarre dreamscape with uh, with Dr. Mindbender. That was similarly, you know, really fun and, and a really cool piece of animation. Cut back to Quintessa, where our prisoners are deciding to make a run for it, which we get through a bizarre description of a football game in some weird galaxy from Spike.
1: Makes you wish for the good old days, doesn't it? You know, before the fighting broke out... The Bears versus the Lunar Colony. It was fourth quarter, fourth down, thirty yards to go. You
2: remember that play?
1: No. How about you, Cup? No, but in a jam like that, all you can do is rush him and pray.
2: You know, very weirdly out of place it kind of felt, but you know, okay. Uh, they try to uh, they take a try to take a Quintus a Quintus on hostage. Uh, they basically sacrifice him. And dump all of them into the uh, the Sharkticon pit. And a point I was, I was wanting to get to is just, uh, you know, h- how many beats this uh, this miniseries takes from uh, the movie, and uh, I'll wrap up with that. But this dumping into the Sharkticon, which even Cup even points out, like, hey, we already did this before. We have another jump this time to what Scourge and the Sweeps and Cyclones are up to. They found Galvatron on this uh, planet of Thrall. Uh, he's in a, uh, I, I think it was supposed to be lava, but they, at some point, like, I mean, that was what it was assumed to be. And then they're saying it's like an ooze and uh, Galvatron uh, makes his triumphant return uh, sounding very different. Uh, you know, if you saw the movie, you know, he was, uh, he went from sounding like Spock to uh, sounding like a slightly altered Megatron because he is once again voiced by Frank Welker or the, the essence of the character. And it's very, you know, it, it is a, uh, slightly, uh, tilted up version of Megatron, but it is Megatron. Uh, you know, so it didn't jar me as a kid is again, when I saw the movie, you know, Nimoy actually surprised me because I was so used to the, uh, the, the Walker voice. And of course I wasn't aware until I read the credits. Like, Oh, they have like other people doing the voices for some weird reason. But, uh, we immediately see Galvatron is, uh, Batch insane
1: mighty Galvatron we have come to deliver you from my empire of ash my bastion of brimstone my kingdom of desolation did I ask you for deliverance did
2: I he goes on this wonderful rant to Cyclonus about his empire of ash he writes a nine inch nail song It's wonderful. And Galvatron announces his return to the fold. We go back to Quintessa and uh, Spike manages to ask before they're killed. Hey, what crimes did we commit anyway? They say theft. So, Hey, you guys confused the Decepticons. He says, Hey, you don't do you occupy Cybertron or not. And uh, Spike is guilty by association. And they use that exact term. It uh, brings up an interesting point. Uh, you know, uh, What's his name? Kranix Arblis. The, the guy from the first movie who got sentenced to death was also on a robotic planet. Maybe another one that was formerly a, a Contessa-controlled uh, robot planet that got their asses kicked off of by their uh, their creations. Uh, interesting thought I never thought of till just now. rodimus and crew show up and start attacking the uh, you know, radiohead for reinforcements. And start attacking Quintessa. They are relying on their uh, their their self defenses. We see a uh, gnaw in uh, robot form, and a few others. Uh, it's always you know keep in mind you know there there are actually uh, several different races from Quintessa. You know, like two, two different versions of shark Cons, two different versions of the Quintessons. Uh, mostly, what we see here is the six uh, faced versions of them, which they become the most famous for. But uh, you know, just like overall, just, just the weird design of Quintessa, what was probably expected when they wrote the movie just to be a throwaway uh, alien plot gag or a side mission, You know, now we are seeing becoming a, uh, a larger part of the G1 story. I'm cutting back to Galvatron with Cyclonus, the Sweeps, and Scourge. Uh, they offer to be his elite guard. He basically beats the crap out of them for their insolence. Uh, scourge manages to uh uh toady up to him enough to uh, appease uh galvatron's ego and they take off for char uh just more an enforcement of how crazy galvatron is you know they do a very good job here in his first two scenes let you know okay this is this guy is not right in the head i'd be remiss here if i didn't point out uh during this scene, uh, Galatron first com- was first coming out of the uh, ooze on Thrall. He is, uh He has these like these sparks around his head, which I'm guessing is to indicate when he's having uh, a crazy moment. I, do- I, th- I don't know if this was intended to be a, a ongoing thing, and I, th- I don't. I think it's dropped by the end of the series. If I don't know if it gets past this episode, actually, not- having not watched them but uh, I kind of wonder like this is supposed to be a, some, a signal like of when Galvatron was uh, losing it, these sparks, these like, I think it was like five sparks, four or five sparks appear right in front of his forehead. It's it's a bit odd, especially since it they, it did not become a recurring thing. Maybe just an after effect of the ooze possibly. So we go back to Rodimus and crew uh, rescuing uh cup and crew. Uh, the battle of Quintessa continues. We see uh some more powers from the Quintessons. They are apparently uh, self-propelled as they leave the judgment seats to escape the planet. They're getting ready to blow it up. Uh, the Autobots uh, take a, the Quintesson hostage they had earlier. Still with them. The Aerialbots show up and it is a mess. Uh, what the, Are the Aerialbots separate? Are they inside each other? Is Air Raid wearing other... Uh, aerial bots in one scene is Silverbolt driving himself it's very very weird and it ends up with the uh autobots boarding what it's very obviously a very giant Silverbolt, who then gets in a uh, i guess it's supposed to be a shuttle of some sort and i, I guess it is an exact it, it kind of looks like air raid <laughs> it's it, it it's a real weird game of russian dolls we start playing but uh you know they they are trying to escape uh, the quintessons are blowing up their home planet say it's worth it they're trying to get rid of the matrix uh, because without the matrix they feel the Autobot race will uh de- devolve into chaos and something bad will happen without the matrix apparently so this is episode 2 uh you know, my overall thoughts of the whole thing, I'd have to re. It's been not too long since I've watched this before, but, uh, you know, it's very obvious here just in the second, first two episodes I watched, you know, how many beats of beat they're following the movie. It's almost rehashing it to a degree, which is fine when I first watched it because I hadn't seen the movie. So that didn't become apparent till afterwards. And of course, the movie is kind of a beat for beat kind of rehash of Star Wars. So five faces of darkness. This is a weird double recursive uh, Star Wars clone in a way, but a lot of fun. I was I was totally on board for this season, and I remember as a kid having a lot a lot of fun with these episodes. Back over to you, Ant.
0: Some just some things that Gabe uh, didn't touch on that I have in my notes uh, as we usually do here. Um, the recap for this episode: Rodimus's voice is different, and if you caught our previous episode. Uh, that's because it was Ted Schwartz in the recap and not Dick Gautier. When the ship arrives to rescue Rodimus and Grimlock, Grimlock, once again, his voice is very bizarre in a few of these episodes, and he has this reaction to the bright light.
1: Yeah! Another
0: thing worth noting in uh, when Spike and the gang are being sentenced to death, in the scene where they're dropped into the Sharktacon pit, the uh the quints have screens in the shark pit to uh see what's going on and i gotta say they're kind of kinky
1: they us no mind we just like to watch
0: and of course in galvatron's uh insanity uh he does go nuts and shoots scourge and sweeps when they try to rescue him and then goes <laughs> and blows up the entire planet of thrall so if you're keeping count of the number of planets Galvatron Destroys in Season 3, this is number one. And yes, there will be more than one. Uh, Some notes on the Autobot Air Fleet in this episode. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of switching with the animation models and things just being weird. Uh, The Aerobots actually arrive inside of Broadside in his vehicle mode, Uh, and there's a cutaway to the Aerobots that has three Skydives standing around. And, and finally, uh, in the realm of great minds thinking alike, uh, during Galvatron's Empire of Ash line in my notes, uh, Gabe mentioned a Nine Inch Nails song. Uh, I have the same Nine Inch Nails song as covered by Johnny Cash. <laughs> so... My Empire of Dirt. Gabe and I definitely on the same wavelength as far as this episode goes. And that will take us to... Season 3, Episode 3, Overall Episode 68, Five Faces of Darkness, darkness. Part 3. And uh, first thing worth noting here is that on the uh, some of the DVD versions, uh, there is a different opening animation which was made for the Five Faces of Darkness, and I guess for whatever reason, um, only a few of these survived into uh, the DVD versions, and... It's not necessarily a different theme song, but the animation's entirely different, and so are the sound effects. Uh, And it features Autobot and Decepticon symbols flying through space, and kind of a visual uh, summary of the overall Five Faces of Darkness story. So the theme's slightly different, and we like playing the themes here. So here it is, the alternate season three opening theme. So this episode starts with the Autobots rescue as Quintessa gets blown up the Autobot ship broadside is uh, (laughs) or we assume it's broadside or ship shaped like broadside uh, is destroyed by the debris from the planet. And why are the Autobots floating in space like this? Uh, That's what they're going to do. Just float in space for the rest of the scene. Uh, Cyclonus and Scourge are uh, catching Galvatron up on recent events. They tell him of a space platform for humans uh, that Galvatron wants to see, and they go there through a warp gate. Now, why is this warp gate floating in space like this? Uh, Blur and Wheelie arrive at the Earth defense base uh, and are told to head to Earth as the Decepticons arrive via the warp gate. The Decepticons attack the base and destroy Outpost Number One, and... Why are these humans floating in space like this? Decepticons go after Blur and Wheelie's ship, uh, and they get shot uh, just outside of one of Jupiter's moons. Blaster receives the warning on Earth and radios to the Mars outpost. There we meet EDC Captain Marissa Fairborn, Uh and as noted in our previous episode, uh, Fairborn also the last name of the G.I. Joe character Flint, Uh, who will make a brief appearance later in this season uh, as dad. So at least the assumption at this point in time in Transformers history has always been that Marissa is the daughter of uh, Flint, and uh, that will be confirmed uh, eventually. She heads out to help Blur and Wheelie. Blur and Wheelie decide to uh, eject from their ship with the T-Cog. And why are Blur and Wheelie floating in space like this? Galvatron blows up their ship, and Wheelie and Blur crash onto a cloud? Uh, It's kind of weird, uh, this scene. And the Decepticons give chase, and Galvatron shoots Wheelie.
1: Galvatron is strong, but Wheelie is mean.
0: And Wheelie is Wheelie mean. Uh, He shoots a sweep in the face. Yes, that's in the face, not in the head. In the face, uh, who then loses his navigational control and plummets uh, to his death. Galvatron responds by shooting a storm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, it's music—the symphony of and the of agony.
0: And speaking of destruction, we cut back to the Quintessons, who are gloating over the destruction of the Autobot matrix of leadership
1: it is a day so long in coming that I am uncertain how to celebrate it perhaps a quiet chuckle very well then let us chuckle
0: (laughs) and then the Quintessons instantly find out that the Autobots are floating in space like this and decide to align themselves with the Decepticons The Autobots end up landing on a sticky planet that is named Goo, uh, and and there is a ship floating around this planet sucking up garbage. Cut back to Wheelie and Blur as they crash onto uh, something, and Galvatron assumes they are destroyed. Back on Goo, the Autobots can't seem to destroy this garbage truck. Springer gets sucked into it and torn apart. The Quintessons then uh, bribe the Decepticons on Cha'ar with Energon, and the Decepticons eat. Back on Goo, Rodimus is sucked into the machine and jams the gears of the machine with Goop. And the one Quintesson that is also uh, with the Autobots that were floating in space like this, Deliberata, uh, is this Quintesson's name, he notices something he didn't know.
1: This is impossible! You were never programmed for self-sacrifice!
0: Back on Cha'ar, uh, the Quintessons want the Decepticons to destroy the Autobots, and here we have uh, some great animation errors, including a fairly famous cutaway that has all five Combaticons standing with a, a similar-sized Bruticus, the combined form of the Combaticons, behind them. Uh, also, we find Fireflight drawn as part of the group, and that is the autobot Aerialbot fireflight. Uh, the Decepticons vote to go with the Quintessons, all except for Blitzwing, and they uh, board the Quintesson ship. We then cut away to Galvatron and company arriving on Cha'ar, and they find only Blitzwing. The Blitzwing fills in Galvatron, and Galvatron is ready to attack everyone. Uh, we cut to Marissa Fairborn's ship and reports objects crashing onto... Jupiter's moon, Io. That's where Wheelie and Blur ended up. And they're about to be attacked by some local wildlife. The Autobots on Goo are looking for a way to uh, shut off the Goo. And the Decepticons attack from the Quintesson ship. And again, we have some bizarre generics in here. Some great little animation errors, including a, uh, a green shockwave and an all white and gray seeker jet. So for those of you who uh, hope for weird, odd uh, colorations in the toy line, uh, these are the ones to start chirping about. And that takes us to Season 3, Episode 4. Overall, Episode 69.
1: 69,
0: dudes! Five Faces of Darkness. She likes the dark. Part 4. We pick up with the Decepticon attack, and uh, there's some more oddly colored generics in that group, including a uh, Blitzwing in air raid colors and an orange and red uh snarl uh the dinobot in that group as well uh the autobots are just walking in the goo as the decepts lay uh lay down a lot of fire and just have some lousy aim and then galvatron arrives and he's not happy with anyone
1: now decepticons learn the price of your disloyalty attack attack <laughs>
0: And right before saying everyone, uh, you can only hear the sound effect, but Galvatron shot Cyclonus in the face in that scene. Um, so Galvatron, Cyclonus, and the Sweeps attack the Decepticons. And here we get a few more weird generics, such as Brawl, the Combaticon in Metroplex colors. Uh, the Decepticons begin to beg for forgiveness. The Aerobot Skydive is in that group for whatever reason. Uh, another animation area, and uh, Galvatron goes to attack the Quintesson ship. On the surface of Goo, the Autobots find the control station, and it turns out it ends up contacting the Junkions. We fly out to the moon of Io, where Blur and Wheelie are getting attacked by these uh, bat creatures, the wildlife I mentioned earlier, and these are actually called light poles. And uh, there's some. Conjecture onto what that name means. And I can only guess that the the light is the, the kind of the bat portion of it. So, like, bats are nocturnal, so they don't have light or, or they respond to no light. And then the poles, I would guess, mean something like a tadpole. Uh, so, they're kind of like baby bats, at least in terms of the script. And that's kind of what they are they're these weird flying mechanical bats. Um, they're red for whatever uh, purpose that might serve. For you as a listener. And uh, Marissa arrives. And they all fight the light poles. Uh, Marissa shoots at them. And then the light poles. Transform into missiles. And blow up Marissa's ship. <laughs> um, back on the Quintesson ship. Galvatron boards. And uh, the Quints exchange info. On a Decepticon matrix. Uh, and offer to help Galvatron find it if he agrees for him and the Decepticons to destroy the Autobots. Uh, then the Autobots are attacked on the surface of Goo. But the Junkions arrive in time to rescue the Autobots and do so by sucking them through the bottom of the planet. Uh, the Son that is with the Autobots, Liberata, uh, escapes. And then Galvatron Destroys the planet of goo. So once again if you're keeping track on Destroyed planets by Galvatron that is planet number two He plans on destroying the Autobots and we get another neat um, few generics here we get a we get a uh, Seeker that is in uh, Combaticon Onslaught colors and we get two green and purple uh, Constructicon colored shockwaves on Junkions, the Junkions rebuild Springer, and Rodimus really wants to go back into the Matrix. So he opens his midsection, he hits a button, he pulls a wire, and basically short circuits himself. Does he die? Uh, I don't know, but he does go into the Matrix. And once again, it's acid trip time. And this is probably one of the um, most fascinating parts of this entire five part. Miniseries is that we kind of take a journey through the Autobot history and meet all of the primes of the past. So why is Rodimus floating in the Matrix like this? Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is.
1: You have to see it for yourself. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and
0: believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Well first he meets Ghost Number One. It's a bald Autobot with a chin beard and goggles and this would be later named in another uh, piece of Transformers fiction many years later as Primon or Alpha Prime Uh, and he is the first Matrix bearer. He is voiced by Michael Bell and here's what he has to say.
1: Eons ago, Cybertron was a factory built by the Quintessons to manufacture robots. There were two product lines, military hardware and consumer goods. These two product lines were the lineal ancestors of the Decepticons and the Autobots. In time, the Quintessons endowed their products with a simulated intelligence. Now, the machines could manufacture themselves. And before long, they grew too lazy and greedy to bother even with that.
0: So the Cybertronians were much like Bruce Willis, greedy and lazy. And we meet a new guide. And this guide would eventually be named Prima. Uh, And that guide is actually the punished robot that we meet in this scene uh, of the ones growing greedy and lazy. The robots in this scene are then used as gladiators uh, for the Quintessons' amusement, uh, but some of the gladiators try to rebel and will be slain for it. The third guide we meet uh, would eventually be named Prime Nova. Uh, he's a bit of a ghost guide, as I've written in my notes, and he has this to share
1: that knew and felt the difference between freedom and slavery and that oversight sealed their fate.
0: The fourth guide eventually named Guardian Prime recounts the early days of Cybertron and we get some visuals of the culture on there and for more on that I'm just going to turn it over to Guardian Prime.
1: For a time the robots lived in harmony but this did not last. The former consumer goods who called themselves Autobots sought a peaceful existence, while the military hardware wanted
0: conquest. By the end of this scene, uh, Guardian Prime gets shot and killed, uh, and he looks a lot like Rodimus. And there, we meet Zeta Prime, as he gets the Matrix. From there, we'll meet the next Prime, Sentinel Prime, who we saw earlier in the flashback as Sentinel Major, losing the gladiator fight to Prima. Now, of course, Keep in mind that a lot of these names, all of these names really, uh, were assigned to these characters way after season three. And Sentinel Prime recounts his portion of Transformers history.
1: Knowing we could never defeat the Decepticons with firepower, we turned to stealth and invented the art of transforming. The Autobots ruled for many centuries. But in time, the Decepticons also learned how to transform. Thus, one fateful night, far below the city, Megatron was born.
0: This a whole little segment is kind of like uh, Transformers University within an episode of Transformers University. It's very meta. Uh, and we're shown the birth of Megatron, and he is being built by Constructicons. So we have... Uh, One, we have eight Constructicons in the scene, so there are two more than we normally have. And then two, uh, this is the third Constructicon origin, Uh, the first being in Heavy Metal War, and the second being in The Secret of Omega Supreme. We watch Megatron as he kills Sentinel Prime, and we hear from a familiar voice. The Matrix was passed to Alpha
1: Trion, the oldest of Autobots, who kept it safely hidden for many years, until the next Autobot leader appeared, a gentle robot known as Orion Pax, who was fated to become Optimus Prime. And so began the Third Cybertronian War, which rages to this day. And the Quintessons are our creators. Through all these centuries, they have waited for the proper moment to strike, To reclaim the planet that we Transformers took from them. And now they're going for the gusto, right? Do not forget what you've learned of our past, Rodimus. From its lessons, the future is forged.
0: So Optimus basically tells Rodimus that the seeds of the future lie buried in the past. And then Springer wakes up Rodimus, and the Autobots are headed to Cybertron. Galvatron and the Quintessons plan to simultaneously attack Earth and Cybertron. Uh, we get another neat animation error here, as there's a miscolored long haul in blue and orange, and it's in multiple shots, as we see the Constructicons have built a city on Earth. Uh, and that city is Tripticon. He transforms into Dino Mode, disrupting all the people that actually live in the city. Galvatron the Decepticons use a decoy ship to destroy the Cybertron central power station. Uh, the Quintessons reveal a plan to each other to let the bots and cons destroy each other so that they can win. And that is how we are left going into the final part of this five-parter. And that takes us to Season 3, Episode 5, Overall Episode Number seventy-five. Faces of Darkness, Part 5. The finale. The Decepticons ready their attack- And we get a few more weird generics, such as uh, Sweeps and Cyclonus in various Stunticon colors and a Cyclonus in Dirge colors. The Decepticons launch their attack on Earth. Powerglide spots Tripticon coming, and we meet a whole bunch of new minibots rolling out from the Autobot headquarters. Uh, Two of those new minibots, Pipes and Swerve, along with Warpath and Bumblebee, uh, attempt to hide in a ravine and shoot under Trypticon, but it has no effect, and in this scene we'll also end up seeing Tailgate and Beachcomber, uh, Tailgate making his first and only appearance in the cartoon, along with Swerve making his first and only appearance. Trypticon then transforms into his dinosaur mode. We cut away to Blaster and Rewind, transmitting to the EDC to send Skylinks to Io, uh, this is intercepted by the Quintasons, who feel like they are going to respond by sending the Predacons. On Io, uh, Marissa, Wheelie, Bumblebee continue to fight the Light Poles. The Minibots decide to make their stand versus uh, Trypticon. Somehow, Outback is now there, uh, along with a miscolored Beachcomber as Wild Rider, and Pipes is ready to be a hero.
1: As Optimus Prime used to say, transform and roll out! I guess if
0: you turn into a truck cab, you get to uh, say that line uh, once in the series. Trypticon just kicks the mini bots away. Uh, he even stomps Swerve into the ground. You can catch that in the previous episode of this show. Uh, in the video version on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash info, uh, I definitely included the shot of Swerve being stomped into the ground. Trypticon attacks uh, the volcano where the Autobot base and uh, the Ark, though it's not called that in the show, and Teletran 1 reside. Uh, he destroys the volcano, the Ark, and Teletran 1, and then is headed towards Metroplex, who is stuck because he cannot transform. On Cybertron, Ultramagnus defeats Ramjet and Dirge, and the showdown between Galvatron and Ultramagnus. ...is about to begin, but Galvatron decides to flee in order to fight a bigger fish. In the fight on Cybertron, somehow Bumblebee is there after just being on Earth. The Quintessons uh, send the uh, team of Sharktacons deep into Cybertron... ...and they're ordered to find the off-switch for the Transformers inside the planet. So there is a switch that shuts everyone off in the middle of the planet. Um, why have we not heard about this before? And wouldn't it be in the Transformers' best interest to make sure that no one ever gets to that thing ever again? Uh, while they're talking about this, Blitzwing is uh, spying and overhears the Quintesson's plans. On IO, Skylink's arrives to save Wheelie, Blur, and Marissa, but so do the Predacons. And uh, they get beaten by the Autobots on Io. And then form Predaking. Skylink's defeats him by knocking him over. It's almost like playing with the toys. It's almost like the toy commercials, really. Willie finds the uh, T-cog that he dropped. They all board Skylink's and head for Earth. The Metroplex in battle platform mode uh, attacks Triptychon. Just then, Skylink's gets to Earth. And is shot down by Tripticon and the Constructicons. The Decepticons are en route to Skylink's, and the Autobots uh, here are on foot. The bots decide to play football with the T-Cog and eventually get the T-Cog to Metroplex. The Autobots cheer this victory, including uh, two Constructicons <laughs> that are somehow now Autobots. Um, someone in dead-end colors, and Frenzy, the red one, on Cybertron Blitzwing, informs Galvatron of the Quintesson's plans.
1: Uh, Mighty Galvatron, there is no Decepticon Matrix. Tell it to the Autobots! (laughs) If I
0: must. Or at least he tried to. So he does tell it to the Autobots, and on Earth we find Metroplex, now with his new transformation cog, transforming and fighting Trypticon. The fight spills into a nearby city in a very Godzilla-styled uh, scene. Metroplex then tosses Trypticon into the ocean. The Autobots cheer, and in some more weird generics, we get a white cliff jumper, a sunstreaker, blaster, and a blaster-colored ratchet, along with a white-colored ironhide. Uh, so either they are both not dead... And in the wrong colors, or those are two new characters uh, in their body types. Beneath Cybertron, uh, the Autobots arrive in time to stop the Sharktacons with Blitzwing and Spike. Galvatron arrives and accuses Blitzwing of wanting the quote-unquote Decepticon Matrix for himself. He then throws the off-switch, which freezes everyone. The Quintessons return to Cybertron, thinking they're victorious but Spike not affected by the off switch grabs a gun shoots the lever to the machine and destroys it and everyone is reactivated. This is something that should have been done centuries ago. The Quintessons flee and Galvatron and Rodimus square off but Blitzwing decides to step in. Enough!
1: This battle ends now, or I shall write its conclusion. You will never be welcome in the ranks of the Decepticons again. Sometimes it's better to be known for one's enemies. You will suffer for this Blitzwing. You will suffer unimaginably.
0: So a lot of good that did Blitzwing for being loyal. Uh, The Decepticons flee, Blitzwing is ostracized, and the Autobots win the day and that wraps up five faces of darkness and so overall my thoughts on this five-parter it's it's got a nice chunk of Transformers lore it is loaded with weirdness and animation errors and it's not good at times and it's great at other times so uh, go watch this one this one's fun at the very least And uh, it definitely sets up this big tonal shift that we will have in Season 3 where we go from being Earth-based to being space-based. And Season 3 being probably the closest to hard science fiction that uh, Transformers will be in its early stages. And so that wraps up this episode of Transformers University. As always, uh, if you'd like to support the show, please swing on by to our Patreon, patreon.com slash tfuinfo. For as little as a dollar a month, you can sign up and help out the show and get a whole bunch of extra goodies along the way. Uh, If you don't want to do that, please use our Amazon links tfu.info slash Amazon. That will take you to Amazon.com. And then anything you buy doesn't cost you any more than you normally would spend there. But Amazon kicks some pennies back to us. And of course, you can follow us on all of the social media. Twitter, that's where you really talk to me because that's where I am the most. Uh, Twitter.com slash tfu underscore info. Facebook, facebook.com slash tfu info instagram.com slash tfu info and of course the youtube channel youtube.com slash tfu info where you can catch some video versions of this show as long with every episode of the show and so much more our toy fair coverage our um new york comic-con coverage i just got approved for my press pass for new york comic-con 2019 so we will be there in october uh and so much more toy reviews and all sorts of other things and i'm trying to do a little bit more with the youtube channel I don't know if I will be doing it soon, but I have some ideas percolating and some things I'm testing out. So definitely, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please click the subscribe button. Click the alert button so that you get updated with all the latest uh, over there. As always, I want to thank you, the listener, for joining me on this ride. Can't do it without you. And I really do like hearing from you. So please definitely send me some feedback. I love knowing what you like about the show next time on the show we are going back to japan and we are going to talk about a particular magazine in japan that did some very exclusive transformers comics a magazine called comic bomb bomb and the stories that they published in 1986 so be sure to come back for that we're covering all sorts of stuff here as we go through 1986 so until next time i am your host Anthony Bercali, owner, operator, madman behind, tfu.info. See ya.